Hey, what's going on? Happy Friday. I hope you're in a good mood. If not, I'm going to encourage you to just like right now, smile, take a deep breath in and realize you've got a lot to be thankful for. There's a lot of reasons why you should be in a good mood. So I'm going to ask you to focus on those. One of the things that puts me in a good mood is just knowing that you're here. Like this is an episode on Fridays where it's usually a bit more personal and today is no exception. I thought I would let you guys just ask me whatever questions, even if it felt like super personal, because sometimes you're like, oh, I kind of want to ask this, but is it too personal? Is she going to be offended? And I can't. I really can't be offended. I mean, if someone is interested or curious about something, you can ask me that question. If I'm not comfortable answering it, then I won't answer it. But today, I am letting you ask those questions. I invited people to do so. You can always leave me a voicemail message by going to my website. It's shaleen.com forward slash podcast. You'll see there's a little widget on there and that's where you can ask your questions. Just as a reminder, I love it when you're really prepared when you leave those voicemail messages. My assistant goes through them. My podcast manager, I should say. She's my boss. She's not my assistant. She's my boss. Kristen, she goes through those first. So I really appreciate if you can kind of like keep them brief. You can always be anonymous if you'd like. It helps to like jot down a few notes before you call and ask your questions. Yeah, so here we go. I'm going to answer your burning questions. So this might be getting old for you guys, but I am just curious since you've been talking about it, about your intimacy, if you will. Have you guys always been this way? Or... Say you're during a rough patch, like when you mentioned all that gambling stuff and you were having a hard time years ago, I think now, of course, but were you still getting intimate that often? Well, that's a good question. And the honest answer is, yes, we were intimate, but certainly not to the extent that we are today, but still probably more than most people. And if I'm just being like super honest especially when Brett struggled to communicate, like kind of before he went to therapy, it was hard to break his barriers. Do you know what I mean? Like he always felt really distant to me and that's because of the secrets he was keeping. So the physical intimacy, oftentimes I noticed the next day or, you know, later that night or whatever, his walls would come down a little bit. There would be a little bit more closeness. So even though, if I'm just being completely honest, I was angry with him before I knew what was going on, right? And I could feel this distance between us. And that didn't really put me in the mood, but I would think to myself, like, what's the goal of having sex with your husband? It is more than just like, whatever, getting off. For me, it's an intimacy, an intimacy that's like an emotional intimacy. It's a connectedness. It's a spiritualness. It isn't always about the sex. It's about that connection. And I think men are different than women. I could be wrong in that regard. But I just noticed and sensed that we were more connected. And if we went like four or five days without it, like the distance grew bigger and bigger and bigger. So for me, it was important to stay connected in that way. And even though there are times where I was like angry and resentful at him or confused by his behaviors, et cetera, I would think about like, well, what is it that I want? And after a few minutes of like, whatever, starting to get intimate, if you will, you start to feel close again. And then my guard would come down and his guard would come down. And so there were times that I really didn't 
feel like doing it, but I felt like being close to him, if that makes sense. Okay, and then once, you know, once I discovered the gambling and we were going through those tumultuous times, same thing. Yeah, there were times we were like super angry. I was super angry or he was angry with me. I think we both just kind of had this understanding and agreement. We both knew we were in this for the long haul. We weren't going to separate. We've always been vocal about that. Like we've had a commitment to never say the D word ever unless you legitimately meant it and meant like it's happening tomorrow. You know what I mean? So we really, even in those difficult times, we knew like the goal isn't to like create more distance between us. The goal is to get through this and to stay connected even when we're angry at each other. And that was an important piece of it for us. But I can certainly understand, depending on what it is you're going through, why you just can't do that. (laughs) I mean, that's what worked for us. I don't know what the right answer is, but that worked for us and it did bring us closer. I don't know if that's true for all couples, but it was certainly true for us. I know this could be a super political question, but are you vaccinated? I'm asking not because I want to be one of those annoying opinionated people, but I value your opinion because you're very healthy and you do a lot of research. So I would love to know your opinion. Hmm. Well, this is one that I get asked every single day, probably 4,000 times. No exaggeration, like probably about 100 times a day. Someone asked me what my opinion is on the vaccination. Am I vaccinated? What is my opinion on COVID, et cetera? And as you know, I have never answered that question because everybody and their brother seems to be an expert on this. And there's a lot of things that I like for you to come to me on, right? Like, and health is one of those things. So I have been a little conflicted on how to answer this and whether I should answer this. I've been trying to stay as far away from it as possible because everyone has an opinion. Everybody's divided. That's all people talk about on social media. And I just want to be the place where people can count on me to share the things that have worked with my life, with my business, with my relationships, you know, talk about lifestyle stuff. And there are certain topics I just steer clear from because everybody else has it handled. But today I've decided to answer this question because why not, right? Okay, so first and foremost, if you have any negative things to say about this, if you want to write me any nasty letters or complain, I mean, it's pointless. It really is because it's just my opinion and I have the right to do whatever it is I choose to do with my body. But I want to explain to you my thinking on this. And here it is. Yes, I am vaccinated. I am vaccinated. I'm not one of those people that posted about it on social media or talks about it. I've never talked about it on my podcast. And here is the reason why I decided to get vaccinated. Number one, I am not a worrier. And that might sound weird, but like literally, I just, I don't worry about getting in car accidents or crashes. I don't worry about statistics. I'm not saying it's a good thing. It's probably a bad thing. There's a lot of negative side effects when you're someone who thinks like, it'll never happen to me. I'm one of those people. I really believe it'll never happen to me. Bad things don't happen to me. I just believe that. So that's number one you should know about my mentality because I've got a lot of friends who are profound researchers who are not getting vaccinated. But I chose to get vaccinated when Bob was living with us because I was out and about a lot. And Bob at that point wasn't vaccinated. We decided not to vaccinate Bob. And here is why. You know, my parents are vaccinated, but we decided not to vaccinate Bob because a doctor friend of ours said to us, 
in a very meaningful way, Alzheimer's is absolutely the most painfully horrific, drawn out, undignified way that anyone could die. If Bob were to to die of natural causes from a cold or the flu or pneumonia or COVID, it might be a gift. And Brett and I talked about that. And we talked about that with his wife, Brett's mom. And we all agreed like that made sense to us. But when he was living with us, with me coming in and out of the house, I just kept thinking like, what would I feel like if I was a person who gave him COVID? And I couldn't handle that. I just was like, you know what? I understand that it might be a blessing in some regards, but I can't be the one. That's first and foremost. And then secondly is because I am now doing public speaking events, I just felt like it was the right thing to do in terms of travel restrictions that are seem to be coming upon us in terms of just staying healthy for these things that I want to do and the events that I want to speak at and, you know, to protect other people. And I just weighed the risks associated with it and decided it was the right thing for me to do. Brett and I are also going to be spending a month in New York City. And we learned recently that if you're going to be in New York City, you basically have to be vaccinated if you want to go into restaurants or into public places. And so, you know, that was a choice that we had to make. And it's a bummer. Now, I'm not going to get into my feelings about mandated vaccinations and what's going on in the country, but I will say this. Both sides have completely, when I say both sides, you know what I mean, both political sides have completely lost touch with common sense. I'm sorry, both sides have, really, truly. I just, I don't have words. I really want to get into it right now, but everybody else does, so I'm not going to go there. I'll just tell you. Yes, I'm vaccinated, but I think it's everybody's personal opinion. Once you're vaccinated, you're protected. And everyone else has free reign. They can get vaccinated. So if somebody isn't vaccinated, that's their problem. They could get vaccinated and they should get vaccinated if they're worried about it. But if I'm vaccinated, I don't have to worry about someone. Honestly, I really don't have to worry about someone who isn't vaccinated because I am vaccinated. So that's all I'm going to say about it. I think it's something that further divides us as a country. And I hate that. I want to see us come together and see each other as humans who have every right to make the right decision for ourselves. Hey, Shalane, this is Rebecca. And I'm curious if you've uncovered anything else underneath the experience you had of not following your intuition, your gut instinct around your plastic surgery experience. I know you mentioned that you we're really considering timing and scheduling and that that went into it a lot. But I'm just curious if there's been anything else that you've unlayered around that. I have, and I've done quite a few podcasts talking about intuition and gut instinct. And I've done two episodes, one on being decisive and one on listening to your gut intuition. I'm going to link those below in our show notes just in case you guys missed those. But yeah, it revealed a lot to me. But honestly, I think where I have learn the most is from you, from the listeners, because so many of you are survivors of abuse or survivors of sexual trauma, sexual assault, survivors of trauma in general. And, you know, I just haven't had much trauma in my life. And that's a blessing. I mean, it really has been an incredible blessing. So I'm kind of learning more about trauma 
and the trauma responses. The four trauma responses that I've learned a lot from many of you, which led me to start doing more research on it. And I think I'd like to do a podcast on it. I'd love to know if you guys would like for me to do a podcast on the four different types of responses to trauma. And they are fight, flight, freeze, and appease. And each one of those four responses can be positive. Each one of those four responses could possibly like save your life or make things better, easier for you. Even the peas, even to freeze, all of these things can be good things and they also can be unhealthy for you, depending on how you respond. But on so many levels, it's subconscious. You're not even thinking about it, it's just something that happens. And especially for those people who have experienced early childhood trauma, that really makes your adult response to trauma very complex. So for me, what I've been trying to do is just examine without judgment how it was I responded and why it was. When I say why, meaning like kind of, I'm not like judging myself or questioning what I did, but I'm questioning my thoughts. So that self-awareness helps me to hopefully avoid being in a situation like that ever again. I mean, I want to be strong. I just want to better understand my own process, my own behaviors in that situation. I want to understand so that I can start to have maybe a different behavioral pattern next time something I should be in a situation like that. I just, I have to tell you, I never imagined. If you described the experience that I had and told me that I would have responded the way that I did, I wouldn't believe you. I would be like, there's no way in heck I would ever like do what I did succumb the way that I did, freeze the way that I did, appease the way that I did. But I did. And I just want to understand it without judgment. I'm not judging myself because I swear I'm not judging myself, but I do want to understand it because I want to take back my power. I have so many things I wish I could tell you guys, but yeah, I've learned a lot. My personal question to you, Shalene, is what strategies would you put in place if you were in the position where you were by yourself and you didn't have the support network that you do or most other people do, i.e. partners and families, et cetera, building a business and, you know, just trying to do life on your own, what strategies would you put in place to help that? Well, the first thing that I would put in place is a heaping dose of grace because there is no question that it is a hundred times easier, a million times easier when you have support around you. And that could be family, it can be friends, it can be people who actually love you and want you to succeed, people who understand you. It could be having a partner, it could be having you know a mother, father, just a community around you to help you. There's no question, it is a million times easier. I may have a lot of close friends who do not have parents, siblings, or a spouse. And I tell them all the time, I couldn't do what you do. You are amazing. You are resilient. You are powerful. But please know you should never compare yourself to those people who have a village around them, a built-in village, you know, people that they don't have to pay. Like it's one thing to have a nanny or to have someone who helps you driving the kids or cleaning your house, et cetera. And you're, you're paying people to do that. But, you know, that's hard, especially when you're a single person with a solo income. You just cannot compare yourself to someone who doesn't have all of those things coming to them for free. 
You know, someone who has like their mother-in-law or family close by who help watch the kids and they have a partner who splits the responsibilities and the duties and splits the stress and splits the, I mean, just like everything, it's just so much easier. I'm not saying that to let go like, yeah, thanks. I know that. But I just want you to recognize that. And that means that you have got to give yourself a lot of grace, a lot more credit. I personally believe it means that you've got to go at the appropriate pace. When someone has a partner who's really involved in their day-to-day lives and splitting the responsibilities, splitting everything, that is like a car running on two cylinders. It's going to move a lot faster. So if, if you're running on one cylinder and you're trying to keep up with a vehicle that's running on two cylinders, you're going to burn out the engine. Now, I don't know your personal situation, but I'm going to give you the same advice that I've given to some of my very closest single friends, and it's this. You need help. You deserve help. You need love and support, and you deserve love and support. Again, I don't know your situation, but I know so many single people who do it all themselves because that's what they've had to do all their lives. They didn't have parents or family members or loving caregivers. And it's not uncommon for people who are like, I'm going to do it all myself. I'm a survivor. I can't count on anyone except me. Therefore, I'm not going to let anybody in. I'm not going to trust anyone. I'm not going to ask anyone for any favors. I'm not going to get too close to anyone because it's up to me. And this often stems from an early childhood experience where that's what you were taught. And so you develop this false negative belief that no one cares about you and no one is going to take care of you. So it all falls on your shoulders. So my recommendation is get into therapy. And I'm not talking specifically to the person that left this message, but, but maybe I am. But I'm talking to those of you who what I just described is how you think. And maybe that has a lot to do with your childhood. So I would say, number one, get into therapy. Because you do have family, people who want to be your family, your chosen family. I have sisters, people who I consider my sisters, who are not my sisters by blood, but my bond with them is just as strong. And I have young children who I believe are my, my nieces and nephews, and not by blood, but because they are my chosen family. I would not have those relationships with those individuals if they hadn't let their guard down and let me in. There are people in your life who want to help love and support you, who are not going to hurt you. You have to believe that and you have to let your guard down and you have to reach out to them and you have to cultivate those relationships because no one should do it on their own. You deserve love and support. You deserve it. I've been listening to you on Build Your Tribe, and I'm wondering how I can use Instagram to sell. Well, first of all, you're my favorite person because you listen to Build Your Tribe. Build Your Tribe is the podcast that I do with my son, Brock, and we do talk a lot about how to monetize your social media, how to start a side hustle, etc. So if y'all aren't subscribed to Build Your Tribe, what are you missing? You could have me five days a week. I always recommend people who listen to The Shalene Show, also subscribe to Build Your Tribe. But anyways, to answer your question, girlfriend, perfect timing because we are starting a free, Brock and I are going to do a free three-day challenge. Three days, they're going to be really short. You're going to jump on a live Zoom with us and we're going to teach you exactly how to sell without having to be salesy using Instagram. There will be a link down below in the show notes. Again, the challenge is free. It's three days. 
And we're going to teach you what you can sell, how to monetize your Instagram, the right way to do it. So you're not like, you know, I mean, we all follow those people who are so annoying (laughs) on Instagram. Like, hi, guys, a lot of you have been asking me, you know what I'm saying? Anyways, we're going to teach you the right way to do it. And it's super fun and it's free. So check out the link below in our show notes. Hi, it's Judy from Canada. Just wondering how you've always remained so resilient with all of the things that have happened in your life. Wow. It's interesting because I don't think of myself as someone who's resilient. When I think of resiliency, I think of many of my friends. I think of people who have had traumatic childhoods, people who are, are single and figure out how to do it all themselves. I think about people who didn't have great role models, but yet figure out how to be phenomenal parents. Like that's resilience. I think about people who have not just survived, but learned to conquer their past I think about people who have been like completely wiped out and devastated and find a way to build themselves back. Like I just, I don't know. Resiliency is my favorite quality in other people. But ironically, I've never really thought of myself as being a resilient person. I would consider myself a very positive person. I only see a positive outcome. Like I never have been in a situation where I thought this isn't going to get better. I just I don't know. It's rose-colored glasses. I've been accused of wearing those. But I also think it's the way that my brain works. And when I say that, I mean the way my brain genetically is formed. When I did my brain scan at the Amen Clinic, and then my father did his brain scan at the Amen Clinic, it was really cool to be able to see our brain side by side, and then to see Brett's brain and his father's brain and like compare all of our brains. And there's a huge component genetic factor that dictates how you kind of see the world. And some of it obviously is influenced by your upbringing, your surroundings, et cetera. But 50% of it is genetics. And I've got two of the most optimistic, positive people as my parents. So again, I just feel like really blessed. Frankly, I sometimes feel guilty about it because it's a serious, unfair advantage to have two incredible, positive people who have brains that only see optimism and they gave birth to me and gave me a very optimistic brain and then they raised me in a very optimistic environment and that combined with my faith. So when I have gone through tougher bouts where we all can get in the spiral thinking where you're like this really sucks. Even when something sucks, I'm always thinking to myself, but that's okay because after the low there is always a high and after the high there's probably going to be another low, but After that low, there's going to be another high. And when I'm in those low points is when I remember to turn to my faith and I spend, I'm just more conscientious about the way I think about God and my faith and the devotionals that I read in the morning. And and I see that as a silver lining. Anytime I'm going through something tough, it always brings me closer to God. And I'm like, well, this is a cool thing. So thank you for calling me resilient because that is my favorite quality in others. My name is Alicia, and first of all, I just wanted to let you know that you are the number one reason why I developed a love for fitness back in the day. It started with Turbo Jam, and the rest is history, so thank you so much for that. So I am a mom of four sons, and I also have extreme ADHD and time blindness, and I own a small business with my husband, and I don't know if you homeschooled, but we homeschool. So I was wondering what would be some of your best tips and maybe tools and resources 
for a mom with ADHD and time blindness that could help with life management, time management, schedule management, and just keeping focus, keeping motivation, staying on track, staying on task. What would be some of your best tips and tools? Okay, I love this one, but I got another one that's kind of similar, and I've got the same advice for both of these situations. So my husband and I both have ADD. It's intense, and I'm curious to know what your advice would be. Obviously, your husband does not have ADD, but what your advice would be for couples that are both navigating this in terms of communication, in terms of co-parenting, in terms of all the things when both spouses have executive functioning challenges. If you were in a situation like that, how would you handle it? Whoa. Both partners have ADHD or ADD. I hear this actually quite often, and I have not yet addressed this. So my advice for you and my advice for the first person who's running the business, has the kids, sports, etc., it's the same advice that I have for anyone who is an adult with ADHD who has the means by which to have assistance. Now, this is a tricky thing because not everybody can afford to hire someone to manage them. But I want you to know this. You can hire somebody, a freelancer, for just part-time hours as a consultant, and you can give this a try for a month and see if it doesn't afford you more time, which thereby allows you to be more focused and to make more money and to, more importantly, have more peace, more organization, and more happiness and clarity in your life, and to be able to focus on the things that actually matter. What I have done, the reason, the only reason why I'm here today, and when I say here today, meaning successful, meaning able to do five podcasts a week, to run five different brands and businesses, to have built an eight-figure business, I couldn't do that on my own. I've had to hire people to be my boss. I literally outsource the executive function of my brain. So that means I hire people and I tell them, okay, you are my boss. That means I'm paying you to make sure that I get to my appointments on time. And I'm paying you to understand the way my brain works. I'm paying you to keep me focused. And I need to answer to you. Your role, your responsibility is to make certain that you get my attention, that you keep me focused, that you keep me in a line, that you know what time my next appointment is, how long it's going to take me to get there, to know a little bit about the way that I work, that I'm going to get distracted heading out the door. So you're going to send me a reminder one hour before that appointment. Then you're going to send me a reminder 30 minutes before that appointment. Oh, and by the way, the appointment time, I'm never going to know the actual appointment time. So like today, I showed up early to one of my appointments by 15 minutes. But according to what was on my calendar, I thought I was showing up exactly on time. And I was really proud of myself. And then I got there And my assistant told me, oh, no, the actual time is 15 minutes from now, which is great because then I'm there early and I can work in my car and, you know, feel good about being there on time. If you have kids and both of you have ADHD, this is probably one of the best things that you can do. And we did this when our kids were young. At that time, Kristen, who's now my podcast manager, was my ADHD manager. That meant that she was in charge of helping me to coordinate all the kids' schedules and what they needed. And although she wasn't a nanny, she was in charge of our calendar, scheduling, helping me find things, just getting things organized. Like literally, she 
operated as my executive function. Now, we were in a position where we could hire someone who was exceptional and could do this full time. But I strongly encourage anyone who's in a position where you can at least test this out. And where would you find someone like this? They don't even have to be someone in person. People can do this virtually for you now. There are so many different virtual assistant agencies. Just type in virtual assistant agency on Google. I happen to love Upwork. I just think that there's some incredibly gifted, very focused individuals out there. And what I'm going to suggest that you do is go inside the pod squad. We'll do a little post and we'll let people who need a virtual assistant connect with others inside the pod squad who might be interested in doing that work. Again, it's so important to be able to understand where we're weak and to not expect our brains to work in a different way. I will never have the type of brain that my husband has. And it doesn't seem fair to make him responsible for my executive function. Now, he does have to pick up the weekend shifts, (laughs) right? Because my virtual assistants don't work for me during the weekend. But on the weekends, I don't have as many things scheduled, etc. But again, when the kids were little, we had a lot of that. We had, you know, games and rehearsals and practice and birthday parties, etc. And we had an executive assistant who made sure all of that was handled on Friday with notes and reminders. And she would still even text me reminders on the weekends. So just understand that it's okay to ask for support and help. It is. And there's no shame in that. It's just not the way your brain works. And I guarantee that you are amazing in other ways. So give it a shot. Hey, Shalene, this is Amanda. I am a huge fan of your podcast. I absolutely love you. And my question is, how do you continue to show up online and show up in your business when you are moving through a difficult time? I know that recently you moved through some pretty tough stuff. So I am genuinely curious, how do you do it? Hey, girl. Hey, first of all, love your energy. It's fun when you can hear someone's voice and you can just tell a little bit about their personality. Anyways, I get the impression, Amanda, that you're just like a really upbeat person. You're probably the person that everybody else looks to, to keep them upbeat. And so that can feel like a lot of pressure, but you're still human and I'm human. And so recently, as you may know, when I was going through a lot, just a few, like a month ago, you know, after my plastic surgery nightmare and the transition of moving Bob into a wonderful care facility, dealing with Brett's health and my own health and the trauma, et cetera, just kind of trying to make sense of all of it, I wasn't showing up on social media. And what I did was made kind of an announcement so that people knew that I wasn't trying to fake it and that if I did show up, I wouldn't be my normal, jovial, happy, positive self because I wasn't feeling that. I was feeling sullen. I was feeling pensive. I was thinking a lot. I was so, quote, Drake, I was like so up in my feelings that I just couldn't show up for other people because I needed to show up for myself. And I didn't have any shame about that. And I also wasn't going to be fake because I think a lot of people do that. They just pretend that nothing's going on. And I didn't. Like I wrote a newsletter and said, this sucks right now. I'm going to be okay. But like, you know, it, it sucks. I'm okay, but I'm really not okay, but I will be okay. And I was honest about it. And I think you don't even have to do that. You have every right to disappear. For as long as you need to, you can also just decide to step back, to pull back a little bit. 
I'm not really a fan of seeing, and I see some influencers do this, where they kind of capitalize on the trauma that they're going through and show up on camera crying. And, you know, I hate to judge, but I just have seen so many YouTubers do that, and it feels so inauthentic. I don't know if you guys saw this YouTube video. Look it up if you haven't. It's, I think the YouTuber's name was Cheyenne. And I think I'm getting that correct. And she's like a a mommy blogger, vlogger, I should say, who did this countdown timer to reveal the big family surprise. And then when the timer went off, she uploaded a video of her and her nine-year-old son in their car crying hysterically because their new puppy unfortunately had parvo. And it was in at the vet and they were just crying hysterically and hoping you know, pray for us. We hope the puppy lives. And, you know, it was one of those thumbnails where you're like, oh my gosh, who's dying? What's going on? And she forgot to edit out the last couple minutes of the video. And in the last couple minutes of the video, she is coaching her son to cry harder. And he's like, mom, I am crying. And she's like, okay, okay, okay. Look, look, look this way. Okay. Lay your head on my shoulder. Look at the camera. No. Okay. Now put your hand over your mouth. And then she's like, and she's like, okay, for for the photo, for, for the, for the thumbnail. Look, look sad. He goes, mom, I am sad. And he's like, you can tell he's just devastated. He's really distraught. And she is only concerned with getting this thumbnail. And I thought, what in the world have we come to? It's one thing to be transparent. It's one thing to share your life. It's another thing to exploit your life. It's another thing to exploit your children in that way. And I was, that one threw me for a loop. I think since that, she did an apology video. The original video has been since taken down and she's addressed it. I hope that she's gotten into therapy and I hope that they've started to go fund me for her son's therapy because he's going to need it. Like, I don't know. That's upsetting to me. I I just, I think it's a fine line between being transparent and open and sharing. And then also know when you need to be a little bit more reserved when you need to show up for yourself or your family. You know, there's a lot of things I have alluded to and hinted about on the podcast, but they involve family members. And that's not fair to them to expose them in that way. There are things that I haven't shared with you about my plastic surgery experience because it is very personal and traumatic. And maybe someday I will, but right now I can't. I can't for legal reasons and I can't because I don't feel ready to share it, if that makes sense. I've shared everything that I feel ready to share and maybe I'll change my mind on some other things. I just think We have an obligation first and foremost to ourselves. So when I do show up, I'm really doing it for me. And I think I talked about this on the podcast that I took like two weeks off of podcasting. And then I realized that was affecting me because I use talking to you as a very effective way to self-reflect. You guys have no idea how much this helps me to talk to you, to answer your questions, to get your feedback, for it to feel like a dialogue is really, really powerful. And so after about two weeks, I started realizing like something feels super off. And now I'm like at this point where now I need to kind of talk about what happened. and I need to have this dialogue with you. And so when I felt ready, that's when I came back. We have to do what's right for us in the social media society where everyone expects a quick reply 
a response to our email, a thumbs up to let people know we got their text message, a comment under their last Instagram post. These new demands that are now upon us because of social media, because of technology, it's not always healthy. So don't forget, the most important person you need to show up for is you. Thank you so much for your questions today. I love you guys. It was really fun to be able to do this. I appreciate you beyond words. I love connecting with you guys inside the pod squad. Loved getting feedback from the episode I did on Wednesday with regard to teens and anxiety and young people and suicide, depression, etc. I'd love for you to jump in the pod squad and tell me if you would be interested in going a little further in that area. I heard from a lot of parents whose kids are, in fact, dealing with gender identity. I wondered if that's a topic that there's enough people who are curious about what that looks like for other people, or maybe you're going through that yourself with your teen, and I can bring on some experts who can help us to understand that, maybe hear from some other parents. But, you know, I let you guys decide what it is we're going to talk about in the pod by giving me your feedback inside the pod squad. So link is always in the show notes. All the links are there. I love you guys. I mean it. Have an awesome weekend and I'll talk to you soon.